The top five ways to be a shipper of choice. Dasky bets heavy on oil with Aveda acquisition. The next big thing in LiDAR is tiny and massively scalable. And CSX aims for trucking. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we discuss all these topics and more on this week's episode of Weather Truck. There you go. <laughs> Whoa, what you drinking there this time, JP? You know me, I've got my Bells Two Hearted out of Comstock, Michigan. I'll have you know that it was ranked the second best beer in America from 2010 to 2016 by the American Homebrewers Association. And in 2017, it was it took the top spot. Is that so, an authoritative source? I, feel I like, think we might need to document that a little bit better. I feel like if you're going to get your buzz on, you know, why not go with the best? <laughs> you know what? Um, sometimes you just feel like if you can't uh, lick them, join them. And I decided to, uh, you know, I, Bell's is a fantastic brewer and company, and I decided to dive in with a variation on your favorite, and I decided to dive in with the Consecrator Doppelbach beer. That um, sounds intense. But I'm, <laughs> I'm one-upping you on the ABV. Eight! Whoa. Eight on the ABV. <laughs> uh, what is, is that a mountain goat on the, on the label? Yeah, um, I think that's a doppel. That, that's two goats. Those are box. I see. It's, doppel, it's a doppelbock. Um, <laughs> cool. And it, what, how would you it's, describe this beer? Um, I would describe it as really good. And no, um, it, it's strong. It's um, it's you know you know box. They're um, kind of a reddish brown in color. Um, and you know, I tend to think I like malt is it's kind of in between like the sweet and the bitter to me, but I know like it does have like a chocolatey kind of caramelly, like a little bit of a molasses kind of thing. So I guess you would, if you had to, if you had to say it was sweet, I guess you would, but I, 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 I don't want to say it's sweet because sweet's not great. It's balanced. Dogs. Nice. All right. Cool. All right. Well, that's that's fun. Um, are you ready to play a game, JP? I as hope long as you it's are. not riddles, I'm R- good. <laughs> um, well, you did just fine on Riddle Me This oh, last. I, I did horrible at Riddle Me This. <laughs> Riddle Me This was tough. Um, so uh, th- t- this is today we're playing um, trucker <clears throat> slang. Okay. And the trucker, the, this is just just focused on cities. Trucker slang for cities. Okay. Okay. All right. These really aren't as hard as as you would as you would think. Okay. Um, I'm gonna avoid giving you hints unless you seem to be struggling. Okay. Are you ready? Should we do five? Let's do five. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's start with this. Bull City. Chicago. Uh, no, that's uh, that's a good. That's San good Antonio. Guess. Negative. Uh, that's Durham NC, as in oh, Bull Durham. Durham. Okay, all right. Uh, well, let's give you an easy one. Let's, let's give you. <laughs> well, Barry's not going to help you here. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, the Big D. Detroit. <laughs> Negative, Captain. <laughs> Come on, the Big D. Dover, Delaware. Really, you're joking, though, right? <laughs> you're joking. The Big. <laughs> um, Dallas, Texas. Yes. Okay. Um, okay, let's see. Um, how about <laughs> Beantown? 
Boston. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Big A. <laughs> I think that one's kind of tough. Austin? No. Annapolis? No. You're just going to write down your uh, list of A's. Appleton? Amarillo. Amarillo. Um, how about, um, let's see. And have we done four now? Let's do four. Let's, let's try for a five. Choo-choo. Chattanooga. That's correct. Yay! Yay! And it's all happening here in the freight city of Chattanooga. All right. Well, um, you know, I think we should do that again next week um, and see just how well we can do with the cities. There are so many cities. And so little time. The headlines of the week. um, It's been a pretty interesting week, I would say, for, you know, middle middle of April. Um, the first one is, uh, well, you know, what's happened with, you know, shippers and our, our you know, we, we had su- a surprising amount of interest in um, the article about the top five, um, you know, things that shippers can do to be a shipper of choice. Right. <clears throat> and, Got a huge amount of traffic. And, and, and why do you think that is? Like, why, why is there suddenly so much interest in being a shipper of choice, JP? I just think that when um, capacity is tight and pricing power is with carriers, that all of a sudden, instead of trucks, you know, begging for freight, it's the other way around. And you know, yeah, as, the power shifts, the pendulum shifts. As technology improves and people really start getting more visibility into shippers' operations, yeah, tension times, you know, if they pay or not, that sort of things. I mean, it's it becomes easier and easier to record that data and then hold shippers accountable. So now the onus is on them to attract trucks, and they have to, and and people know how well they're performing. And I think that in the past, and I don't know, um, you know, like how it's always gone, but I think you know if you look at some of the ways that truckers have been treated by shippers, it looks like it's been pretty rough. And it, and so there's almost yeah, this like sure. you did it to me now I get my chance to get it back to you. Hopefully, what we're trying we're moving toward with the advances in technology and, and things that we keep talking about are like can we quit swinging the pendulum? You know, like well, can think, we I find think... a, a bit of a balance? Like when the crunch goes away here and the and the and, the, and it balances back the, in favor more towards the shipper. Right? Can we start to like figure out a way? Like, does any should we keep drivers in detention just because it favors shippers again? No. No, I think I mean, you know, what we're seeing now is that a lot of companies. I mean, even though uh, you know Q1 earnings seasons. You know, has been going great overall. We have seen companies like General Mills, for example, say that yeah. uh, their margins are getting squeezed by unexpectedly high transportation costs. And sure. I mean, one way for for shippers to negotiate lower trucking rates is to say, "Look, like we will operate efficiently. We will get your truck rolling. We're not going to waste your time. And if we hold up your assets, we're going to pay you for it." I mean, it's. You know, it goes both ways. This can help shippers, too. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. Ju- it's not it just does the, just help shippers. Just it helps the, everybody, yeah, right? It's not just the trucks, you know, squeezing the shippers. It's the shippers trying to 
you know, like you say, become a shipper of choice. And explain what that means. Well, as a matter of fact, like as as soon as I started to take on this topic, I was like, well, why aren't shippers just already just like doing the things they should do? Well, you you dive a little bit deeper into it and you're like, it's, it's, it's not just like just, it's, you know, it's easier said than done. It actually does take some strategic thinking and, and professional consistency. Um, you know, like paying fast and paying accurate isn't just as easy as it sounds. Um, and you know, like you, if you don't have a good, if you, as a shipper, you don't have a good TMS system, um, you're going to have to like, like pay someone for a little bit of software infrastructure. That's going to help you right. be able to track it. Um, 90 days. Ultimately, yeah. ultimately everything, you know, in in this the current environment where people you know people are their, their productivity is being pushed to the maximum in some ways. Like every single manual process is going to be the weakest link for you know wa- yeah. waste and error, right? And so <clears throat> yep, you have to make investments upfront in you know digital solutions. And we've actually talked, we actually wrote an article this week about how shippers aren't necessarily the most informed about the kinds of digital solutions on the market. And, you know, guys who, are right. used, guys who are used to just going out and purchasing transportation are now having to evaluate these, like, tech startups. And, you know, there's an information asymmetry there. But the the, the fundamental fact remains that, um, that yeah, I mean... Yeah, I totally agree, and uh, and I think that that that's point number two. We don't have to run down all of these the same way, but number two, keep drivers out of detention. I mean, detention is for high schoolers who skip class or pile up tardy slips, and let's keep it that way because detention is not cool, and it's the second fastest way to get your drivers angry. And what are your drivers in stuck in detention going to do with all that free time? They're going to get on all the so- relevant social media platforms yeah. and start telling telling everybody yeah. about what a sucky shipper you right. are. They're going to bitch in FreightWaves comments about you. And, and I mean, honestly, to the problematic shippers out there, yeah. we, we actually know who we, you are. <laughs> we've seen it on Facebook. We've seen it on Facebook. We've seen it from our own data. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a really cool um, shout out to Doc411. Um, they, you, sh- you guys should, everyone should check this place out. Doc411 created is, is actually for everybody. It's not just like for, it's visibility for, um, just, just to help everybody see like where can you dock? How can you, where can you park? Where can, how, what's working well and, you know, and where? Um, so I, that, I think that little solutions like, 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 like shipper detail, like, like kind of like location it, specific details yeah, for, yeah, for everyone, like yeah. little, literally carriers can use it. Truckers can use it. Shippers can use it like across the board. Um, doc four, four, one, one can help people. Like it just makes it easier and faster and safer and less frustrating. Um, in that's general, cool. it, cool. <clears throat> really, really like those guys. And that's a great company. I mean, the three, four, five is remember the golden rule. That's what we're talking about. Not swinging the pendulum shift, right. like treat others like you'd like to be treated. Okay. You know, and that, I mean, that shouldn't be easier said than done, but if you do it, you get, you get high loyalty. Like, for, um, and four is, um, be better with your flexibility. Um, you know, um, it's, it's not just like, 
It's, it's not just being able to like flexibility. Like when I think it, when someone says, Hey, you need to be more flexible. I think about, well, I know I need to be able to bend over and touch my toes better than that, but it's not just about being able to touch your toes. The flexibility is about like what, how, how, what about like expanding your, your, your times of service and, and operation? Like if you have a narrow right. window, Night deliveries. expand it right. now, again, easier said than done. Easier what said if, than done. And you know, we've seen, um, the very biggest shippers, um, you know, like Walmart, for example, kind of become more inflexible, right? Where now they're char- right. now they're charging extra. What's for- that called? On time, in full, OTIF. Yeah, they're yeah. charging more for late deliveries and for early deliveries. Yeah, and Kroger, I think too. But not every shipper is a Walmart, and not every shipper has that kind of muscle. Yeah, to be able to control the stream. But I think everybody should be taking note. And uh, also, like, overnight parking. You could, like, if you can have space to let them park overnight, man, drivers and carriers are going to want to work for you if you're going to help them out. The bottom line, though, number five I wrote for, for this shipper is visibility. Like, let, like in, in real estate, it's all about location. And in freight, it's all about visibility. Like, help the supply chain. It will, it'll help everybody if you, if you, um, you know, have visibility and you communicate. Um, everything is going to be better for everybody. And you are going to be a shipper of choice. And you are going to help create the best rates on the market. Um yes. Tell us about the uh, the uh, another huge headline of the week. <clears throat> um, how do you say it? Dasky. Dasky. Dasky bets heavy on oil with the Avita acquisition. Right. Um, so Dasky is um, it's a flatbed and specialized hauler based in the Midwest that has been. I think it was founded in 2000. Actually, I don't know exactly when it was founded, but it's been on a sort of consolidation tear. The way that this company grows is by buying other regional flatbed carriers, building it. That's how they're growing. And it's they have a kind of a soft integration model where all of the new acquisitions maintain their own brands and their own lanes, ah. but they also do, they try to find synergies where they can. Kind of like Rome took over other like countries. Yeah, yeah and, little vassal states or something like that. <laughs> um, but this was an interesting acquisition because, so as a flatbed hauler, you're already heavily exposed to industrial, um, you know, freight, like moving giant machines, moving like, you know, the blades for like wind turbines and things like that. This is, this is what Dasky does. Wow. Um, and they, they purchased Aveda Transportation and Energy Services, which is act- actually based in Calgary, Canada. In Calgary, Canada, it's, it's in Alberta. Um, it's, essentially, it's Canada's Houston. So it's a, it's a city that's been built up with oil and gas money from Alberta tar sands and everything else. And they, hmm. but, but 90% of their assets are in the U.S. And they sort of, they specialize in providing oil field services in Alberta, North Dakota, Wyoming, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Texas. Basically, anywhere there's oil activity in North America, that's what they do. And, okay. and they are, and what they, they call themselves one of the largest oil rig moving companies in North America. Um, Dasky. Cool. And so, Good to know. So that, that's, that's, no, that's Aveda. So oh, Dasky, Aveda is yeah. who they've acquired. And that's that was the oil field okay. services company. And so I see. I just da- missed that entire, like, Right. Okay. And so Dasky is... So the Aveda owns all of that huge segment in Canada. 
Canada, and, North and, Dakota, and, Wyoming, yeah, Texas. Yeah. Okay. Texas, Oklahoma. So Dasky is okay. And so that, where we're saying our thesis about this acquisition is that Dasky is really doubling down on the American oil industry. They're saying that we know we're already exposed to this. We know that flatbed rates, for example, are really tied to um, you know, growth in American oil and gas production. Yeah. Especially fracking, which is truck intensive because of the use of sand and, um, and water and the way that these sort of like low volume rigs move around and there's not time to build out pipeline infrastructure to them. Sure. So they're already exposed to that. They're doubling down. And there's, a, there's some, but there's some, it, it makes sense to us because. Um, How much was the acquisition for? Was there a number? Um, it was, I want to say it was like 100, 128 million Canadian. Okay. Um, basically, 60% um, financed and about 40% in cash or Dasky stock equivalent cash. Uh-huh. Um, so they've, they've bought this company and I thought it would almost be bigger. I mean, it sounds like it's, it's, a, it's a lot, but for that much oil. But anyway, like we don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a big it's a big deal. It's a special. It's a, yeah, it's this is all they deal. do. It's like I think yeah. I want to say it's like like 500, 400, 500 trucks, okay. and and all of their customers and lanes and things like that. But it, it makes sense to us because we are, you know, freight waves were fairly bullish on the American oil industry. Um, the right. we, we reported today that the the Brent WTI spread is widening, so the discount that um, American oil trades at compared to international oil yeah. Yeah. is widening, which means that it's that our exports are more attractive on the international market compared to Brent crude. Crazy. Um, so that helps us. Um, the Baker Hughes rig count has risen about seventeen percent since um you know i want to say like like middle of february and the price of wti you know what those rigs are making west texas intermediate has risen like 26 percent since then so it's like even though they're increasing the supply the price still keeps going up so we think this is a pretty good bet for for dasky i mean yeah. it, makes, it makes sense and you know it's another uh, you know way to kind of roll up a flatbed carrier and uh, keep their company growing. Indeed. Um, we also, uh, uh, that's a, that's a cool story. Um, a lot of data there. Um, in this story um, about LIDAR, which, you know, yeah, we, yeah. We, we know what LIDAR yeah, is. Yeah, we talked right? about LIDAR. LIDAR's it's, cool. You know, it's what helps uh, autonomous happen. Yeah, right? it's, you know, it's, it's, it's light detection and ranging. It's basically laser radar for cars is essentially what it is. It's it's car it's it's a sensor that puts out tons of laser beams, sees the reflection and maps yeah. its environment based on that. And and well said. Thanks for giving us a little background on it. Um, Luminar is this cool like upstart company um, that's kind of been in stealth mode for the past actually 6 years. Yeah, I've I've covered LiDAR and I haven't heard of them. I, I mean I've yeah. covered like you know, Quantergy and Velodyne, and there's another um, Canadian company whose name slips in my mind right now. Well, but like, 
I haven't really yeah, heard of you have. I know, you have. You're the one that, that taught me about um, LiDAR in the first place. Um, and uh, <clears throat> and, and uh, maybe one of the reasons that they've been under the radar as much as they have is that they were founded by a guy who is only right now 22 years old. Whoa. But, like, y- y- we got to learn more about this dude in a minute here. But what the, the cool thing about this story... It's like the, the Lil Wayne of LiDAR. <laughs> Um, is that your 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 rap illusion? Well, you know, he, he started you know he started when he was like a teenager. Apparently. Oh, okay, um, cool, man. Um, nice <laughs> illusion. Um, it's basically um, you know the sensing um, is at the core of self driving technology, and um, and so you know they need orders uh, of magnitude improvement to to reach anything what they need what where they, like they they need like huge improvement. Um, in terms of where they are now to get to where they are, they want to be, and apparently um, Luminar is claiming that there it's for them. It's no longer a need <clears throat> for better hardware. It's uh, actually they just need to figure out how to scale it, and mm. they seem to think that they have. They're they're going to be scaling it from what I can surmise, uh, like at twice the amount that that anybody has been proposing to scale it um, to date, which How? is 10,000 units per quarter. Um, and and, and but like a brief bit about um, uh, Austin Russell, CEO okay. Austin Russell, who's 22. He, he began his career at an early age. Um, he uh, wrote his first patent by the time he was 12. And a year later, his interests um, became. F- <laughs> You're like woohoo. Well, I mean, <laughs> people like patent, you know, like perpetual oh, really? motion machines. Like oh, really? So you're, you're underwhelmed so far. Yeah. A year later, his interest became focused on the photonics industry, where he later developed a number of projects ranging from laser based wireless power transmission to projected augmented reality systems. And many of his pro- of his uh, projects required the creation of custom 3D mapping sensors. So he was well on his way at this point. Um, he he did make an early bet on the application of high performance lidar for the autonomous vehicle industry. Um, and and in in fact, uh, here he is uh, after having the backing of a a lot of um, institutes and and um, fellowships. Uh, able to be the leader of, uh, you know, a company that I think employs about 200 uh, people. And, That's really um, impressive. And is, and yeah, it is, right? And in Palo Alto and Orlando, so on both coasts. Interesting. Um, and it really does sound like they're hiring the right people now. Really? Like that, that can make this thing um, do you happen. Know, do you know, uh, do you have any information about like where they got their funding or anything like that? I was just wondering. You know, I don't. That, there's nothing. There's nothing about that That'd that I've come across so far. I wonder if they would be if they're positioning themselves for another capital raise. Or, you know, when they, when they talk g- about great question. Yeah, when they yeah. talk about like, oh, we need to scale up. They're basically saying like, tr- translation, give us money. <laughs> they seem to be pretty well funded. I mean, like you know, so whatever is happening right now, they're something. You know, they're they're getting some serious funding somehow. Like if it, and and if and if your business model is. We're going to not only sort of like out hardware you, but we're going to outscale you. Like that's intense. 
especially when you're going against <clears throat> the Velodynes of the world and, and, and the Waymos and their own proprietary. Quantergy is really a, a good one because they, they do their own uh, software as well. Yeah, so it's intense. It's a it's it's a very it's a kind of an interesting story because yeah. they're coming out of nowhere, um, where it seemed like the players were sort of established. So it sounds like they did get um, thirty six million in funding, um, partly from the uh, Peter Thiel backed yeah, fifteen seventeen. Peter, Peter Thiel was was the the Peter Thiel Fellowship anywhere anyway was one of the fellowships that um, uh, he was a, he was awarded. I didn't know it was to that to that extent. Wow, that's kind of a large investment. No, he wasn't the only. It was Canvas Ventures, GVA Capital, and, oh, okay. and the fifteen seventeen fund. But um, so yeah, 30, oh, I see. It was three thirty six mil. Um, is great for a company coming out of stealth mode, right? Right. Yeah, and with the, I, I'm convinced right now that they might be able to really do something just with that announcement. I did reach out to them. And, and so their, their model, from what I understand, is more of like it's tiny, like an array of tiny sensors, solid state, not like the rotating KFC bucket. Yeah, you know, of like right. the early LiDAR. Oh, right. Yes. Well, and um, I think that we've long since recognized, and we've talked about it a little bit briefly on the podcast, that the you know a lot of this autonomous stuff is not scalable. You know, it's not realistic, and, and, and that it's like it's like a supercomputer in these these beta testing cars, right. and it's it's what what we what's going to be scalable, and this is like a little hint at like the beginning of how that could happen. So a little good news for the auto, autonomous automotive side of things. Interesting. Cool. <clears throat> good story. Finally, what is also interesting is rail, um, CSX, having a, uh, a really successful quarter one, is now aiming to take a slice out of trucking. So what do you know about this story? So I know what our executive editor, John Kingston, reported um, from their earnings call, which, you know, was pretty spectacular. I want to say that uh, they, they had a profits of like $695 million in the first quarter, which is like um, over 60% growth year over year from um, Q1 2017. Wow. Uh, so that's solid. Very solid. But one of the interesting things that they're looking at, and I think it's something that is kind of, uh, you know, gels with our some of our earlier work on rail, is that they're really looking at some of the higher end premium freight. The, in, in rail terms, it's called merchandise. But, okay. you know, we, we've written about, the, you know, the sort of slow decline of coal, We've written about the collapse of grain exports yeah. that's currently underway, and you know, so, so some of the what we think of as like the traditional commodities that the railroad system was really built to to handle in the late nineteenth century mm-hmm. um, are no longer, you know, relevant as much. No, We're not exporting right. wheat because people are growing it in other places cheaper. We're not. You know, moving massive amounts of coal because we're first of all, uh, liquefied natural gas is really cheap, and we want to go to you know, um, what, what wind and and sun, but and so so CSX the the headline from that from that earnings call was we are actually going to actively pursue trucking freight, things that people 
our customers shipping by truck, we want to haul um, in our trains. And this isn't going to be you know, expedited, time critical kinds of freight, but this could be you know, just sort of... Um, I mean, I'm going to say that I like this. I mean, not not if I'm on one side of the fence or the other for rail or trucking, but I, I like that anything that can help the capacity crunch, right? Oh, or... or I mean... I mean, is it... It's... it's I'm not really... It's, I'm not really like a partisan either way. I mean, I think there, there are certain right, like... me either. That's why I'm saying... But, I, but there are certain, you know, like the, the line haul segment of trucking which is basically going from distribution center to dis- distribution center it's yeah. re- it's refurbishing and refilling and replenishing inventories of warehouses that could probably be handled by by rail like it doesn't you know it, it's not it, it doesn't matter if it takes a day or two days like it, you know the order the orders it, it's not it's not something like um has to be immediately responsive to an order and, and, and get a last mile delivery and that sort of thing that trucks are especially suited for. So I understand the play um, in terms yeah. of where trucking might be vulnerable, especially because of extremely high trucking rates. I understand the, um, you know, why the trains would want to do this or the railroads would want to do this because, you know, we're seeing them shift more and more, like I said, to higher priced, what they call, what they call like premium freight. Yeah. So specialized, um, well, things like Mexican cars, cars built in Mexico that are going to be sold in the U.S. That you know is fairly expensive to haul because it's high value. You know, it's not it's not like a load of coal. Railroads have been expanding those sorts of businesses things they can charge a lot of money for. And so I'm not surprised to see them coming after merchandise. Um, it's interesting. Um, I will read a quote by the CEO of CSX, James Foote, yeah. who's you know, Hunter Harrison's successor. Okay. Um, he said, he's talking about how you have to, how they're approaching shippers and trying to convince them to switch from moving their stuff by truck to moving it by rail. Interesting. He said, so you have to go in and sell the business and sell them on the idea of converting. You have to provide it to them that you can handle their product and do it in the same way with the same level and efficiency that they get out of a truck. Yeah. I mean, so, I can, I can and, see and that. And basically they're going to, they're basically looking at this slice of merchandise where, you know, you don't need, the flexibility and the speed and the visibility of a single truckload. You know, it needs to get to its place. It doesn't matter. But if it what's gets- your take? Like, do you think this is a cool thing for for freight transportation, or do you think it's a like not a good thing? Um, I think it. I think it really only makes sense as a strategy in this current you know, ah. tight capacity environment, um, high demand, tight capacity. You know. Yeah. If, We'll see. I, I, I really don't. But do you think, I mean, in some ways it seems like capacity may very well remain tight for, for quite a while. The thing, I mean, as, you know, as just, you know, someone who studies the industry and studies economics, like we want people to be able to move their freight. We want people, right. we want um, consumers to be able to buy things that don't have inflated prices because of your know, really crappy transportation availability and capacity. So, I mean, I think we have to keep things moving one way or the other. 
and, and keep costs is, down. This is just how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's a, we, we live in a free market capitalist uh, society. Um, so, yeah, like whoever can do it can do it. Exciting, interesting stuff. Um, a, kind of a surprisingly interesting uh, week of news. Let's uh, run down the... Uh, Is it time for a big deal or a little deal? Let's do it. Let's try to, let's try to succeed this time. Did, did, we, did we manage it last week? I feel like we did. Barry's no, shaking his head. No, I feel like we missed it by like 2.3 seconds. Okay. But um, this time, and it, if you'll, if, it, it helps if you read the headline super fast. <laughs> But this time we have like some lengthy headlines. Anyway, let's give it a try. Here, um, starting about now, Chad's going to ask JP first. <clears throat> China to U.S. container rates have fallen for the 30-second straight week. Big deal or little deal? Big deal. Um, there's an overcapacity in international container shipping that it will lead to smaller players going bankrupt and consolidation in the industry long term. Oil, aluminum, nickel prices rally. Big deal or little deal? Big deal for oil, big deal for aluminum, not a big deal for nickel. Uh, that's just a temporary panic. So what, what is that? Federal Reserve Survey highlights tariff impacts, driver shortages. Big deal or little deal? I'd say it's a big deal. Um, it's the first time that the Federal Reserve in the Beige Book has actually acknowledged tariffs as an economic risk. And, you know, um, they're talking to... Metals, metals companies that are saying that their business is changing. Are ELDs making our roads safer? Big deal or little deal? Well, it's a little deal so far because of this of this first survey of 100 uh, different um, trucker uh, truckers or carriers. Um, they say that about 61% say that it, safety has increased and 39% has not. But there's no way to know yet. Freight demand remains strong as manufacturing and construction activity picks up. Big I, deal or little deal? I am going to say little deal, but it's a fascinating article full of a lot of detail. But it's oh, it's a little deal in terms of the results fall in line with much of what we've seen in the first quarter, um, and it's it's healthy in a broader sense. The trucking spot rate market is softening. Big deal or little deal? Little deal. The contract market is setting the pace. Demand remains high. Capacity tight. We made we it. Did it! Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh well, just just. All right. Well, that's excellent work, Chad. <laughs> and you too, JP. Another fine time. Maybe it was me joining you with the bells too hearted. I mean, well, the bells like brass. I think that's probably what it was. It was. You should probably drink too hearted from now on. <laughs> I think you should. You should break out a little bit. Have some variety. Well, I think it's we, the spice of life. But how else are we going to win the uh, big deal or little deal? <laughs> um, well, just 16.0 ABVs every time. <laughs> um, anyway, I guess we're done. I, we should sign off. Yeah. And that'll do it for the big stories this week. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. And if you're into learning about technology that's shaping up the industry, you definitely want to be at Transparency 18 in Atlanta this May. Visit Transparency18.com to learn more about the event. 
That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What What the the Truck. My joke about flexibility was really bad.